Welcome to another episode of Secure the Job, Breaking into Security, where we give you the inside scoop on all you need to break into the cybersecurity industry. We're your hosts, Alana, Evan, and Stephanie, and we'll talk skills, jobs, and resources. Here's what we have for you this week. Hi, everyone. Today on the podcast, we have Microsoft's GM of Philanthropies, Naria Santalucia. Naria oversees Microsoft's global philanthropic strategy with the goal of increasing digital computing and AI skills for traditionally underrepresented and under-resourced communities. Having a vast experience with this landscape, Naria will talk to us about what the partnership between industry, NGOs, and academia can do to support the next generation of cyber defenders. Welcome to the podcast, Naria. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Perfect. So we start each episode by asking our guests for a pick of the week. So this could be anything, something you're obsessed with, something you're reading, a funny story. So what would your pick of the week be? So I'm going to have to stay on point and really just plug the second season of Tools and Weapons, which is hosted by Brad Smith. He actually has on Satya Nadella, our CEO. Um, and of course, Brad is our president as well as vice chair of the board. Uh, and it's a great conversation. Conversation. So I highly recommend it for everyone. The first season was great, but I just loved hearing Satya and Brad together on that first kickoff episode of season two. Could you tell us a little bit more about the show? I would love to kind of learn, you know, what the conversations are like. Yeah. What are they talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So Tools and Weapons is actually a book that Brad wrote a couple of years ago. It just came out in paperback with his co-author, Caroline Brown. And they basically think about the innovations in technology and how they can be, you know, just that, a tool or a weapon. And so he, on the show, will like bring in influential guests, you know, like he had Kara Swisher, for example, on the on the last season finale of the first season, just to kind of turn the tables and think about how how technology acts as just that. Like what how can we leverage it as a tool? You know, how is it being weaponized potentially in other ways? So, you know, very on point to kind of the work that we're thinking about within philanthropies of how we can extend Microsoft's mission to really help underserved people, make sure that they can take advantage of technology and and leverage technology to solve the world's biggest problems and challenges as well. So yeah, that's what the book's about. And then the podcast kind of takes that theme and brings in those guests. And it's really great. Worth the listen. I like listening to it when I walk my dog. <laughs> We are big podcast fans here, so going to add that to my list. Awesome. I'm definitely, definitely going to check that out. I would love to know kind of your journey to working in philanthropies at Microsoft, kind of what led you here. Great. So I was very lucky to run a few nonprofit organizations before I joined Microsoft. They're all in this space of how do we help bring people to their maximum potential, right? And so I used to run a legal aid organization that represented young people who were justice involved and or in special education in their schools. And we represented them or their families to really get the outcomes that they wanted and social work, provided social work services as well. And then worked at a nonprofit really around STEM education and helping people from lower income backgrounds gain the funds that they need, as well as programmatic support to really 
take a job and take their place in the STEM sector, especially in technology. And in that role, I was very lucky to actually have Microsoft as one of our main donors. So that's how I was first introduced to Microsoft. And I'm very honored to have this chance to work with colleagues here to think about what's Microsoft's value add in this space? How can we make sure that people have access to skills, have access to computer science education, make sure that there is a pathway to success for people from all communities. So I guess let's dive into you a little bit. So I would love to hear more just about your role, the work you do at Microsoft. Great. The main purpose of Microsoft Philanthropies is really an extension of so many other companies of our mission at Microsoft, right, to really empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. And what we really think about is in that mission, which by itself is purely social impact as well, but how can we really make sure we extend that mission to people who may be vulnerable, the most vulnerable, or people who are in those communities that maybe technology, they haven't been able to harness it as much as everywhere else. And so that's kind of the focus of what we do. And we really do that, a lot of that work through nonprofit organizations. And there are three different pillars, I would say, where we really focus our attention. The first being digital skills and education. And that's the program that I lead and the philanthropic efforts that I lead, as well as digital transformation of the nonprofit sector themselves. So how can we help nonprofits really maximize their technology, their digital transformations so that they can achieve their missions faster and with more impact? And then finally, how do we land that in communities? So we have a, a team of, of leaders around the world who are social impact specialists that really think about landing skills, helping digital transformation, also thinking about employee engagement. How do we leverage our own employees so that they can give back, volunteer, mentor, give of their time and treasure, as well as how do we think about when disaster strikes? So that's kind of all the work that philanthropy covers. And I'm very lucky to be able to really think about that programmatic aspect of skills and then really think of how can we land that work globally around the world as well. Yeah, that's like incredible work that I think a lot of people don't know exists or doesn't really know that there's so much manpower behind it. So it's wonderful to hear. And so it's great to see the investment that Microsoft has made to help close the skills gap within cybersecurity. And so I'd love to hear more about the programs that Microsoft is really doing in this space. Yeah, that's great. So one of the really important areas that we focus our work on is in that digital skilling space and really thinking not just about what are the skills that people need in the current economy, the digital economy, but how can we make sure that people then are skilled They have the knowledge about what are in-demand roles. How do they get the skills for those roles? How do they get certified? And then finally, how do you land a job or a livelihood opportunity? And when we look at all the different kind of areas in the digital economy where people can get jobs, like whether that's software developers or IT admin or, you know, whatever the role may be, we saw a huge pop in cybersecurity. So our thought was, hey, we know that that's a huge growth industry. Um, We know that there is massive digital transformation that happened because of COVID and the pandemic. We know that the rate of attacks, whether on like critical infrastructure or private companies or, you know, healthcare systems, like you hear about these attacks all the time, you know that they're just going to happen more and more. We thought, is there a way we can actually think about people who are from underserved communities and may not currently have a job in the tech sector? Could we 
really think of getting them a foothold into this growth sector. And so that's why we focused on cybersecurity. And we started like thinking about what can we do, especially with entry-level jobs in this sector? One avenue that came became really clear to us were community colleges in the U.S., right? I spoke with one of the leaders at the American Association of Community Colleges, and she had this great saying. She was like, community colleges are everywhere. In every community, there's going to be a bakery, a bank, and a community college. They're affordable. Like most- They're accessible. Yeah, they're totally accessible. Usually, you know, anyone can sign up for classes. They serve people who are Sometimes in high school, like in our state in Washington, we have a program called Running Start, but they also serve people who are in career who want to go back and study a little bit more. So we thought, hey, let's think about community colleges and doing a big bet in cybersecurity in community colleges. So we started chatting with a bunch of them in our network to say, what do you need? Like, are students interested? The answer was clearly yes. They're mm-hmm. oversubscribed, the classes. So when we said, well, what's stopping you from offering more cybersecurity courses? And what what they all said to us, so a couple of things, like three things. Number one, they needed more updates on what industry was looking for, like curriculum. And number two, they needed more like support for faculty and administrators to say, hey, this is what a cybersecurity like curriculum should look like. Here's what the course should look like. Here's how, you know, you can kind of make that jump for a faculty to start teaching cybersecurity at community colleges. And then third, they said our students need support. You know, some of the students who go to community college, like they're one item away from dropping out, whether it's like missing childcare, not having transportation or rent. So they needed financial support. So we pulled together a program that would really answer all three of these aspects. So on the curriculum side, first, we partnered with our education team and thought about Microsoft Learn for educators and how we could really land curriculum and content in the community college setting. Then we partnered with the AACC, the American Association of Community Colleges, as well as the National Cyber Training and Education Center to think about, could we create some centers of excellence around cybersecurity? So Insight is doing that. And then the AACC has like created these amazing community of practices for administrative professionals at community colleges. And then finally, we created a scholarship program where we're currently targeting to reach 10,000 students who are from community colleges that are studying in cybersecurity. So we're really excited about this program. So far, we've reached 181 community colleges across 44 states. Um, so really wow, excited about that. Yeah, yeah. And I love how you're setting up not only the faculty, but the students up for success. You're really giving them all the tools they need, not just saying, okay, here, we're going to invest money and exactly. you figure out what you're going to do with it. It's You're really helping them all throughout the process. Exactly. And that's really incredible. That's so important. And, and thanks for mentioning that because that's one of the like ways that we approach all of our work at Microsoft Philanthropies anyway, is like, not only to think about like the funding, the grant investment is one thing, but we always try to think about our own theory of change right? So like, what are all the different pieces to solve a specific unique problem? And what's Microsoft's value add to provide that to nonprofits or our partners or community colleges, and then unlocking all of that with funding. So trying to take a real holistic approach and really listening to the people and organizations that we're trying to partner with and work alongside. Yeah. And when it came to curriculum, what did you find that the industry is now needing when it comes to skills and things that 
early in career individuals should be thinking mm-hmm. about when they're looking to enter this industry? Yeah. Well, across the board, I think one of the most important things is for us to remember, all of us in, in the tech sector, right, that these are our products and our technologies that people are now going out to implement, right, and to really leverage and use. So, I'm very, very proud of the way that Microsoft has approached our certification. So in the security space, AZ-900, SC-900, those have been really great ways for students to show, hey, not only can I handle the curriculum that the school is giving me, but that I have an industry-recognized certification. It becomes just like one more really meaningful input on someone's resume. And also because they're intensive, you have to be able to prove that you know how to leverage the technology and the product. And, And who better to do that and to kind of qualify that than the company that created it, Microsoft, right? And so I think that's been, I think, one of the big value adds that we've seen is putting that certification into the hands of community colleges. And Microsoft Learn for Educators, which is a great program. You can, people can go and find that program online. And there are a lot of like open resources to colleges and universities for them to take that, take on the curriculum, faculty support, they'll host office hours and things like that as well. So just a great resource that is in a easily deployable way. I can get out there. The other thing that the education team did that's very cool is that they've made the fundamental certifications all free to any student. So it's very easy to go get that. Like there's exam prep courses as well so that people can study, take some practice tests if they need to, and then ultimately get the certification. And again, this is where we can really show, this is how partnerships can work really well, right? Because like we in industry are creating the technology. We're also hiring individuals and our partners are hiring individuals. The universities have all the students. So if we can put these together so it's like seamless, I think that's when we're going to get real big impact at scale. And by making it free, I think you break down the barrier that a lot of people who are interested in this industry but might not have the financial to invest and kind of figure out that's something that they want to do. And so this really gives them an opportunity to test it out before they make a decision to join. And so I really like that you're really making it accessible to every, you know, every person. Yeah. No, thanks. And, you know, to address this demand for the skills you are focused on underserved communities. And so why is that so critical to help really close down the skills gap? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I would say like for the skills and education grant and our portfolio that we really focus on, we've actually defined our intended population, the group that we really want to work with. We say people and communities excluded from technology. And we were very like purposeful on that because, you know, it is a global program actually. And so that looks differently in every community, right? And Mm -hmm. so often what we want to do is leave enough latitude and room for our local philanthropy leaders to really define that for themselves. Now, this community college program in the U.S. where we really realize is like there is a huge gap. I can't remember the statistic completely off the top of my head, but it's like less than 20% of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. are women or people of color. 
So that means it's one of the least diverse, right, sectors. Mm -hmm. Even in tech, I think it's one of the least diverse. And guess what? The people who are doing attacks, they may or may not be one type of person, right? And so we need to make sure. So that's one of the really important ways, like just table stakes. We need to have lots of different minds coming together to think about cyber attacks because there's lots of different types of people who are launching those attacks. So that's first. Secondly, it's that point that I made in the beginning. We need to be strategic and like hyper-focused, I think, as a country when we think about like how do we bring equity and level the playing field for individuals, right? Like it's not going to be enough that we put people into jobs that are going to be gone five years from now or that are not great jobs like with good wages and family earning wages, we need to really think strategically about like, hey, how can we make sure we make open the doors wide enough so that people from all backgrounds, and especially some that are completely left behind right now, have a chance at those great roles. And the tech sector, like every job is going to be a tech-enabled job if it isn't already, you know, not, not, they don't all have to be tech jobs, but they're certainly like, you need digital fluency for every job. So how do we really make sure we think very strategically about putting people into those good jobs? So that's another really big, big piece of why we, why we think about diversity as well. So kind of speaking on those tech jobs, there's such a wide range Mm-hmm. of jobs in cybersecurity specifically. Can you walk us through some of these pathways, some of the traditional career pathways? So I would say, you know, because my background is definitely on the social impact space and everything. So I think that there probably are better people who can really walk through, like, what are the ins and outs of what jobs, like, people should, how do you start and how do you keep going? But we actually have been very excited about cyberseek.org, which has been a great resource for us and a partner for us in thinking about this space. So if there are audience members who are listening and are like, hey, is this something I should think about doing? Like, check out that resource because I think it's a good way. It maps out like all the different roles. But the other reason why we really liked cyber as kind of like an area is that they're not only like diverse jobs that where you can keep growing, but there are a lot of entry level jobs too, where you can start out as like a tester and different things. So like, I think that checking out cyberseek.org is a good way to start. And also know, again, like this is a job that's like, we have no indication to think like these jobs are going to be gone, right? In the next five years, if anything, they're just going to keep growing. It's one of the fastest growing growing roles in the U.S. currently. Right. So in thinking about some of your program's best success stories, some of the people who have gone through these, what does their journey kind of look like? From coming from a place of relatively few options to, you know, starting some of these programs to entering everything, what, what does that journey look like. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know this is like a U.S. focused program and conversation we're having, but I actually, just because it's top of mind, because I just came back from India um, not too long ago, and it's a similar like program and structure. So I was very happy to meet while I was in India There, we actually do a similar thing with the community college with our TVET system. And we have a program called Cyber Shiksha where we have been training women who are from, they're in like IT schools, but they're they're in the TVET system. And what we've been doing is like taking students and 
bringing the cybersecurity content and curriculum to them. And we had this, we just recently had this great conversation in a roundtable, and um, there were women who had IT admin background, but this program gave them that cybersecurity layer. And after a couple of months, they've been like hired, like one of them was doing cybercrime for the local police department. Another one was working in the fraud unit at a bank. And another young woman was actually working at Microsoft. So I thought that was really cool in Azure security. I think it may have been the group. So I think that was really cool just seeing how they progressed and had gone to, you know, what I would say is more of a tier two or tier three school and probably would never have had a chance to be on this career track and trajectories. That was really cool to see. And we have lots of stories like that from the Last Mile Education Foundation, which is our partner for our our scholarship program as well. As you listen to the stories of the individuals who have gone through the different programs, what are skills, whether soft or hard skills, you think were helpful for them and actually made them successful in the programs? The beauty of partnering with community colleges and students that have kind of already said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in IT um, and thinking of that IT admin track, the beauty is that we can give them that specialty layer. And one I have really found speaking to so many of students, but whether or not they're even in the cybersecurity role is like, I do truly think that, you know, that whole saying that talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And that is something that I've seen time and time again. Like they, many of these students, like they're facing huge life challenges and struggles, right? And there is so much resilience and growth mindset that these individuals already have built in because they have not had the same, maybe like a easier path or more of a privileged path. So I just know like, that soft skill of having that resiliency is the most important thing. I know that's something we talk a lot about at Microsoft is growth mindset, but no matter what, like we always have to refresh our skills. I think there is like data every six months, people have to learn new skills for their job, right? And I know you all have been learning new skills consistently through your careers. And it's really that like ability to learn, to keep learning that I think is the most important thing. And, and, I, and I think that those are the people that I've seen to be the most successful against all odds. They continue to innovate, continue to iterate and change and learn. Yeah. And I think that applies to anyone, whether they're young and early in career or exactly. industry veterans. Um, being able to change and adapt, that's the one thing I know I've learned in the last year and a half. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, like a huge like opportunity for people who are veterans, maybe in the IT sector or like not even in IT, like doing something else. Like back to that point about community colleges are everywhere and you could be in the workforce and go and pick up a certificate or a certification and, you know, maybe find yourself in a whole new sector as well. So, you know, it's not just about younger people, but lots of people who could take advantage of the growth in cyber. That's another audience that we are really trying to target with this podcast as well is showing that there's so many opportunities, whether you were doing something in the past, there's applicable skills that you can bring to this industry and really bring on a new perspective. And so again, love this community college approach where you you can take a class, learn about it and really see, you know, how they fit into this industry. Could you tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing with nonprofits? Nonprofits are one of the most attacked entities. And 
There are a lot of, you know, we have like the cybersecurity defender offering for nonprofit organizations. So if people, smaller nonprofits really are struggling with how do they make sure that they're safe and free from attack, definitely take a look at that program. There's also a great partner we have called the Cyber Peace Institute. They're located out of Geneva, but relevant to the U.S. too. And what they do is they bring in almost like industry professionals to volunteer to help nonprofits with their security. So it's a really cool way to give back, especially if you're in the sector. And I think it's a great way to like keep your skills up to date too. So that's a program worth looking at as well. Yeah, I think with, when it comes to nonprofits, they sometimes don't have the funding to be thinking about these problems. And it's unfortunately very sad because they are going to go through attacks. And so I love that. It is crazy. Like nonprofits are, they're constant. I used to run a nonprofit. We're constantly like the firewall pings, you know, because nonprofits have access to data of like their donors and lots of, you know, banking records and stuff. So it's actually something that is a real concern. And, and to your point, Stephanie, a lot of them don't have the funds. It's just like the extra layer. Be Oh, it would be nice to have this, but it's not the first thing like on your mind when you're trying to keep the lights on. I didn't even think about that's a great way to get to those donors. Mm -hmm. That's really dangerous. Totally, totally. We would get pinged all the time. And luckily we were on the Microsoft suite. So we were okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of people don't realize how often it happens and how it can affect literally anyone or anything. Yes. Or any company. Exactly. So kind of in your opinion, You've been working on, on programs for a while, uh, certainly during the, the pandemic. How has the pandemic changed the industry? Yeah, I mean, the tech industry generally or cybersecurity specifically or both? Let's go both. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been massive. I've heard, like, I forget, well, right at the beginning of the pandemic, you all may remember that Satya said we had two years of digital transformation in just two months. And I think that has just been like accelerated from there. But I think we're going to look back on this period and and mark like the true point of like the switch into a complete digital economy. And of course, with that is going to be an amazing opportunity, right, for technology to like just solve huge, like we're on the brink of like being able to solve some huge, huge problems with technology to make sure to that point, it's like, it's a limitless tool. But with that comes that side of like, how do we make sure that there are protections in place? And I do think the pandemic just accelerated not only transformation, but the attacks and the openings and the porous nature of some of technology. And so I think that we're we're not going to ever go back to how it was in so many ways. And I think that there's just be more and more demand for defenders. So if you're listening and if you're at all Somebody said, I, I asked somebody once, like, hey, what are the qualities of somebody who'd be great for cybersecurity? And they said, paranoia. <laughs> so if you're paranoid, if you love puzzles, if you want to step up and help and really, you know, protect our world, our corner, like your corner, but also the world at large, consider this your call to action. That's awesome. That's a great bit right there. <laughs> no, that's incredible. 
you know, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier um, with kind of some of the staying power of cybersecurity. But what excites you most about the future of cybersecurity? I think, I mean, this is kind of negative, but what excites me the most is I think that there is going to continue to be bad actors out there, right? And people just keep getting more and more nimble and agile and how they're kind of approaching the attacks, which is actually really scary. That's actually very, very scary. But what's most exciting is I do think there is this concerted effort and us all shining a light on like, how do we protect critical infrastructure? Like, how do we make sure our elections are are safe and free? Like, how do we make sure that we can be very confident in our data when we go see our doctors and caregivers? Like, all that stuff is it's going to be protected because all of us are shared. Like, I'm so proud of this podcast because we're actually shedding a light and saying, hey, go out there. There are jobs, but more importantly, like, are you curious? Are you interested? Are you? Do you love problem solving? Like, this is a role for you. And I know there are a lot of very, very talented people out there that can really grow and like uh, step into this industry. So I think that's what makes me really excited. What's a good way for someone to learn digital skills? That's great. So we're very excited to have a new program called Skills for Jobs Learning Pathways. And anyone can go online right now to opportunity.linkedin.com and there find the Skills for Jobs Learning Pathways. There are, you know, content, there's content there to take you all the way from very, very basic digital literacy all the way to connect into our advanced technical training on Microsoft Learn and everything in between. And we're very excited, especially to have six career essential certificates that we just launched. These are great because people can, you can do the training and then you could get the certificate once you take an exam showing that you have the skills and you could put that on your resume or your LinkedIn profile. And we have new certificates in administrative assistance, business analyst, project management, IT administration, software developer, and data analyst. And so these are really great. And especially for people who are interested in CyberTrack, you can do that IT administration career essential certificate and then go on into our Microsoft Learn content as well. And that's free and open to everybody. I love that. I think emphasizing how many free (laughs) certifications or classes or courses are out there is super important, especially for early in career. Yes, yeah, exactly. Our listeners have no excuses to not get started on this. (laughs) Exactly. I also want to give you a huge shout out because we worked together for Envision, I believe. Yeah, that's right. On the uh, video for digital skilling. And that's really where I learned about the skills gap and what Microsoft is doing for this. And so really thank you for all the work that you're doing and really bringing a light to this. You inspired us to start this podcast. Um, So really want to say, you know, really (laughs) thank you for all the work that you're doing. Just get out there and learn. Like Stephanie said, no excuses. Awesome. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us this time, Naria. Really excited. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Secure the Job, Breaking into Security with your hosts, Alana, Stephanie, and Evan. If you're interested in learning more about Microsoft's initiative to address the skills gap, 
and for free resources, go to securethejobpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. See you next week. Thank you.